Good evening. I am very nervous right now. Uh, I bring with me the uh, greetings and love of the brethren in the Clinton Ecclesia and uh, the greetings of lo and love of Sister Martha Dodal, who I spoke to about 20 minutes ago. Uh, as Brother David mentioned, my talk will be on Agapeo love. And uh, I'm going to start in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is the theme verse for the weekend. <clears throat> Romans 8:28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called, who are the called according to his purpose. Now, my subject this evening will revolve around love as spoken of in the Bible. As we've read in Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to them that love God. Our love and devotion to God is said to be the greatest of commandments, according to Jesus in Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38. Matthew 22, 37 and 38. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. So let us examine what this love is that we are to manifest. There are three words in the Greek that are translated love. One is phileo, and another is agapeo. We won't be talking about the third word that's translated love. It, it has to do with a physical attraction and love. Phileo in the Greek is a verb, but deals more with the emotions of a person and how that affects their actions. It is defined as fondness or affection for a specific person or thing. Agapeo is a verb also, meaning that it is an action word. Action words indicate that the person being spoken about is in the process of doing something. Action words in the English that we all know are walking, moving, talking, or sitting. Agapeo is a root word and carries with it the same meaning as the word agape, a self-sacrificing love, a person willing to give up, to give something up in order to please or help someone or something other than himself. In chapter 12 of Romans, it says to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The command for us, then, is to sacrifice, sacrifice ourselves willingly to God's purpose. How do we manifest this sacrifice if God is not here and we cannot perform it to him directly? The first, the first thing that comes to my mind is baptism. Baptism is the beginning of our walk before God, the dedication of our lives to his service. Although our actions should reflect Christ before we are baptized, it isn't until the moment we emerge from the water that our probation starts. From that point onward, there are many ways that we can manifest agapeo, a couple of which are how we serve our fellow brethren and how we act toward those that are falling into either moral or doctrinal error. Our actions toward our brothers and sisters in Christ are some of the foremost ways of manifesting agapeo according to scripture. 
Jesus is very specific when he says in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love, or agape, one toward another. It is by our self-sacrificing service to those of like precious faith that all men are able to, t- able to tell that we are the disciples of Christ. It doesn't mention any grumbling or murmuring, because people around us wouldn't think that we love our brethren at all if we complain and murmur about helping them. But, as 2 Corinthians 9-7 tells us, we are to give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Cheerful here means prompt or willing and with a merry attitude. If we do not give to our brethren with a cheerful and willing attitude, then God will not look on it as a good work that shows our love for our brethren, but instead he will view it as eye service. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your mind, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. We will be as men-pleasers as the Pharisees, which showed an outward affection for God, but had no devotion or desire to serve God. Therefore, we must remember that Yahweh seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but Yahweh looketh on the heart. That's 1 Samuel 16, 7. Showing love and feeling love for our brothers and sisters are two very different things. We have to feel agapeo love, or the desire to sacrifice our will for another's benefit, before our actions or gifts of love will be acceptable to God. This action of giving to our brethren does not mean simply a monetary gift. That would be the easiest way to help at times, but that can also make some situations worse if we aren't careful. Some brethren have a hard time handling money, so by simply fixing the temporary problem by giving them money, we may, we might actually make them less dependent on their own income and thus make their spending problem worse. We need to be observant and see the needs of our brethren and be willing to help in any way possible. Sometimes that means doing hard things, like counseling them in how to effectively use what they have been given in this life or listening to their problems and giving them scriptural advice, even if they don't want to hear it. But even hard things have to be done with a cheerful spirit. Again, as 2 Corinthians 9-7 says, Every man, according according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. Service. The serving of our brethren is a very important part of agapeo. Christ washed the feet of his disciples. Are we unwilling to to help in the simplest of matters because it might get us dirty or take us away from our television program? No matter how hard it is to perform those works of love for our brethren, we must remember that God is not unrighteous to forget your work or toil and labor or your toil and pains of love, which ye have showed toward his name and that ye have ministered unto the saints and do minister. Hebrews 6.10 Galatians chapter 6, 
verses 9 and 10. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Why is it that we should do good, especially unto them who are of the household of faith? Matthew chapter 25, 40 gives us the answer. Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. It is important to note that the agapeo we show toward our brethren should go beyond things relating to this life. Our love for our brothers and sisters should make us desire for them to be in the kingdom foremost before any other problems. In some instances, this means correcting those that are straying from the faith, either in their doctrine or conduct. It is important for us to realize that each one of us is a watchman for the body of Christ. If we know a brother is sinning or has changed the first principles and he doesn't realize it or he doesn't believe what he is doing is wrong, it is our duty as brethren of Christ to show where the problem lies in light of the scriptures. Ezekiel 33 Ezekiel 33, verses 2 through 6. Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land set a man in their coasts and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard, he heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and, any, and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. And verses 8 and 9. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou doest not if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will, will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way and turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, uh, nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. It is our love, our agapeo, for our brother that makes us warn him. It is a self-sacrificing action we perform trying to save him from being rejected at the judgment seat. If we try to correct him, there is a chance he will repent and be restored to oneness with Yahweh. But if we don't correct him, he will continue in his sin and will have to, be, and will have to answer for it at the judgment seat. I said it is a self-sacrificing love because... Though you are doing the right thing, sadly, most brethren do not see it this way, and they turn again and rend you. That doesn't mean you stop caring or trying to bring the brother or sister back into the way of righteousness. It simply means you have warned the brother and you have made him aware of his situation. From that point forward, you pray for him because the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. James 5.16 and you look for opportunities to bring him back. 
But what happens if he doesn't change? What if he continues in his sin or continues to teach false doctrine? Does that mean you no longer have to deal with the problem? You don't have to talk to him? Should we look the other way so that we can remain friends with the person? First, we must say that not all things work out the way we would like. God has prescribed a certain way to handle problems, and by ignoring his way, we make matters worse. Now, what do we do when a brother or sister persistently teaches false doctrine or walks in sin? The answer most people will give is go to them, as Matthew 18 says. Let's read Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, and go, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he will hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, in that the mouth, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the ecclesia. But if he neglect to hear the ecclesia, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. What part of these verses tells us when this situation is to be used? The very first section of verse 15, if thy brother shall trespass or sin against thee. When a brother or sister is walking in sin or teaching false doctrine, is he trespassing against me or against you? No, he is trespassing against God. Are we then required to go to them three different times with more people each time in order to convince him? No. Brothers and sisters in Christ are expected to know what is right and wrong. Ignorance is not an excuse once a man or once a man or woman has been enlightened. Brothers and sisters in Christ are expected to know what is right and wrong. Ignorance is not an excuse once a person has been enlightened. In 1 Corinthians 5, when Paul was writing about the case of adultery in the Ecclesia, he didn't tell the Ecclesia to go and warn the brother that what he was doing is wrong. Paul told them to deliver such an one unto the devil, or unto Satan, for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. That's verse 5 of chapter 5. The man knew he was in the wrong, all that was left to do was remove him from their presence until he had repented. Of course, we know that ample warnings need to be given before a member of the body is cut off, but we can't hesitate too long, for a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And it is better to go, it is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell. After withdrawing from the adulterer, the Corinthians were to maintain their position. For Paul continues and says, I have written unto you not I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolator or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such an one no not to eat. That's verse eleven of chapter five. Remain separate from them. Why? For the destruction of the flesh. This separation does not just apply to breaking bread, nor does it, does it apply to just within the ecclesia. If part of the ecclesia continues to fellowship with such an one through friendship, 
through friendships outside of the ecclesia, the person in the wrong will feel as though he is still in good standing with his home ecclesia. And thus it will take longer before he realizes how far he has strayed from Yahweh. That is why we are commanded in Ephesians 5.11 to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Here are a few more examples of fellowship parameters given in Scripture. Titus 3, 10 and 11, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 17, 1 John 1, 6 and 7, 2 John 1, 9 through 11. And I'm going to read uh, Titus 3, 10, 10 and 11. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. My point, my point isn't to tell you everything that requires us to withdraw from a person. My point is to make it clear that true agapeo means doing what is best for a brother or sister's spiritual health. Just because it hurts doesn't mean that it isn't love. Filio love is a friendship and fondness kind of love. It is based on emotions. Phileo doesn't care what is best for the spiritual health of a person. It just wants everyone to be happy and to get along. It thinks that if you don't talk about problems, there are none. We are the children of God, and God's love is agapeo, not phileo. Sometimes agapeo love requires us to make the hardest decisions in this life such as Mark talks about in Mark chapter 10, verses 29 and 30. Mark 10, 29 and 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. By allowing a person we are in fellowship with to continue to teach false doctrine or to walk in sin, we are showing by our actions that we condone and embrace what they are doing. For by our works are we known. Matthew 7.20 Removing ourselves from false doctrine or a person walking in sin is for the good of the individual and for the good of the ecclesia overall. For, as we said before, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. We've come most of the way through our study now. We've covered what agapeo is, how it is manifested toward our brethren, and how this love should affect our behavior toward our brethren which are in sin. In order to leave on a positive, uplifting, and exhortative note, though, I must give the scriptural way of bringing a brother or sister back into the fold. Brethren, if a, man be if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Galatians 6.1 Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. That's also Galatians 6.1 when disfellowshipping a person, we shouldn't be hateful, or, hateful or, or cruel to them, knowing that we are all flesh 
and we can fall into the same temptations. It needs to be done in a manner that lets the person know they are welcome to come back when they have repented of their sins or of the false doctrine they've been teaching. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Galatians 6 and 2 Timothy 2 are two passages of scripture that mention meekness as an attribute needed when dealing with the person straying from the truth. Most people define meekness as being teachable, but in using this definition, we may lose part of its meaning. The true meaning for meekness is gentleness or humbleness. I have always heard it defined as strength under control, or as Webster's defined it, defines it, forbearance under provocation. In most cases, when a person is told he isn't in fellowship anymore, he doesn't take it too well. The, the brothers involved must be understanding when withdrawing from a brother or sister and not let themselves lash out or pre- be provoked, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. If the brother or sister in error changes or repents, and desires to come back, it should be with great joy that, it, that they are welcomed back as the angels in heaven which rejoice over one sinner that repents. That's Luke 15.10. True repentance will be recognizable in the actions of the brother or sister that has strayed. When this is seen, we should meet him with joy as he cometh back and forgive him lest perhaps such an one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. 2 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 8. And when we forgive, we should forget, as God does, and not bring up the past. Psalms 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Other passages that can be read are Ezekiel 18, 20 through 23, Ezekiel 33, 12 through 16, Jeremiah 31, 34, and James 5, 19 and 20. Yahweh has great agapeo for the world and gave his only begotten son while we were yet sinners. John 3, 16 and Romans 5, 8. His desire is that all men everywhere repent and learn his truth. Acts 17, 30. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Ezekiel 33, 11 but wishes to be reconciled to those that truly long to please him. We are to put off the old man and put on Christ and God's character. In doing so, we should want our brethren to be reconciled to us and to God as soon as possible. Once our brother has repented, all his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him, neither by us nor by Christ at the judgment seat. Finally, brethren, let us examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith. Let us be 
watchmen for our brethren and, and the household as a whole. If we do not stand up for the truth, then we will lose it. Our master's return is imminent, and now isn't the time to put on blinders and act like we don't notice the state of the ecclesia. Behold, I come quickly, blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. <laughs>